Good morning, River Oaks. Good morning. It is so good to be with you all today, both in person and over the internet. Uh, my name is Mitchell Slater. I'm one of the elders here at River Oaks. And it's my privilege to bring the, the message from God's Word today. Uh, like has already been said by, by Chris and by Jeff, we are in a very unique moment. This is new for us, uh, having to meet in our homes for worship. But I am praying, and I have been praying all week, that we would just be able to really sense the unity of the Spirit, even as we are separated from each other, that we would still be able to worship together in spirit and in truth and that we would be able to remember that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even during a situation like this, this has not taken him by surprise. He is on his throne, and he is ruling and reigning, and his kingdom and his purposes will be fulfilled. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We ask that you would comfort us in all of our afflictions. You would help us not to rely on ourselves, but on you, the God who raises the dead. Lord, you are close to the brokenhearted. You save the crushed in spirit. You listen to the prayers of the destitute. We ask that you would send help now to all those who are sick, all those who are at risk, all those who are serving in the medical field. Father, we we feel at this moment very acutely the brokenness of our world. To please help us to feel the brokenness that's in our own souls. Father, I, I confess the sins of our nation to you. I confess the sins of our church to you. I confess, most importantly, my own sins to you. That we have sinned against you in word, in deed, and in thought. That we are getting so much more than we deserve, even at this moment. We thank You that You have shown us so great of a mercy in the work of Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank You that through His cross, our sin has been crucified. Thank You that through His burial, our death has been buried. Thank You that through His resurrection, we have a living hope Hope that one day you will make all things new. That your kingdom will come on earth fully and forever. So Father, we pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, you would strengthen the souls of your people this morning. That you would draw men to yourself through your Holy Spirit. Pray that you would feed us with the good words of Christ. You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and hearts to believe and obey. Pray that you would cause the words of my mouth, and the meditation of all of our hearts, 
be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Let's open to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, our text for this morning is verses 14, 15, and 16. But let's start back at verse 11. And he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, Art showed us that, that the goal set before the church is maturity. That's our goal. It's to reach maturity. That's what verse uh, 13 is all about. He's saying we're trying to attain mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he also showed us the way that we get there, the way that we attain that goal. That is, the church's leadership equips the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's you, that's everyone. They equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In our text today, Paul's going to get very specific and show us exactly how that happens. So if the saints are supposed to do the work of ministry, what does that ministry look like? What are we supposed to be doing? And the answer is in verse 15. He says, we are to speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. In love. I think we can sum up Paul's message like this. That Jesus will grow his church through words of truth and works of love. Jesus will build his church through words of truth and works of love. This text, it almost splits perfectly in half where verse 14 and 15 are about speaking the truth and the dangers of that come with not speaking the truth. And then verse 15 and 16 speaks about how we build each other up in love. But first, I want you to notice that Jesus will grow His church. He is personally committed to making sure that His body grows up to full maturity. This is ultimately His work that He is doing through His Holy Spirit in his people. 
And Christ will build his church, and he does it through words of truth and works of love. So let's read verse 14 again as we look at the importance of speaking truth. He says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Paul, he shows us the importance of speaking the truth by showing us how dangerous falsehood really is. One of the biggest, if not the biggest hindrances to our growth in Christ is false doctrine. It's what we believe. Ideas have consequences. Ideas have consequences. What you believe has a monumental impact on your life, both now and forever, both for good and for ill. So that's why we should no longer be children. We should no longer be spiritual infants. The word there is literally a child who can't talk yet. This is a small child. Now, children are wonderful. Paul is not saying there is something wrong with children. Right? They are a gift. They are a blessing from the Lord. If we are to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to have faith like a child. But what Paul is talking about is the danger that children are prone to. They're, the danger that they can be in. Because one thing about kids is that in their innocence, they can be rather gullible. In other words, you can trick kids. Your parents know what I'm talking about. You have all tricked your kids. So, you know, the time change uh, comes along. Not this last one, not springing forward, but when you fall back, you know, it gets dark early and it's 6.30 and you're like, all right, kids, look, it's dark outside. Time to go to bed. Get your pajamas on, brush your teeth. And when they're little, they fall for it, right? At least mine did. It was wonderful. Well, now, at least with my kids, they're getting a little bit older. They can tell time. I can't trick them like that anymore. They're, in a small way, becoming more mature. And that's the same way with us. Paul doesn't want us to be children. He doesn't want us to be spiritually gullible. He doesn't want us to be easily tricked. And these false doctrines, they come from, he says, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. This is intentional deceit. The, the image there is of sleight of hand, like, like smoke and mirrors or illusions, just trying to pull one over on someone. And if we're children, if we're immature in the faith, we will easily be led away by strange teachings. So let me tell you a story about uh, something that happened in our growth group. This is probably about nine or ten months ago, maybe. But just to brag on one of my growth group members, uh, Michaela Harvey, um, and she did give me permission to talk about her. So she was working her job at uh, Walmart back when she worked at Walmart. And an old friend from high school came through the line with his wife. You know, they were catching up, and he invited her to come to a Bible study. She thought, okay, great. So she went to the Bible study, and the first thing that he said was, 
The Trinity is a man-made idea. The Bible doesn't teach that, and you have to stop believing it. First thing, and the whole time was about that. So she told him that she didn't agree, she was respectful, but she never came back. And she was fine. But imagine if she had been immature in her faith. I mean, as an old friend, someone that she trusted, you know, he was showing her Bible verses, but he was attacking the most fundamental truth of our faith. The fact that we have one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. These things happen, and that is the deceitfulness and the craftiness of men. And that's another thing about children is they are often in danger and don't know it. Now, that was a dangerous situation, and Michaela did know it, and I praise God for that. But one thing about children is they're often unaware of the danger that's around them. So if my kids play in the front yard, it's only a matter of minutes until my son is running into the road. Every single time. Like, I just have to... You know, we had a child leash for him, and then he broke it. That's just, that's just how, if you know Andrew, that's how it works. He's probably doing something right now. So, Andrew, if you're listening, just listen to your mother, please. Stop. But that's how kids are, especially how, how Andrew is. Very unaware of the danger around them. They're oblivious. But Paul, he wants us to be aware. He wants us to be on guard of how serious a matter this really is. In Acts 20, when Paul was was leaving the Ephesian church after several years of ministry there, after planting that church. He said these words to the elders. <laughs> I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock from among your own selves. And there will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. And that's why we need to be like the Bereans from Acts 17 and test everything by the Word of God, by God's standard. Every sermon, so what I'm preaching right now, every sermon, every Sunday school lesson, every growth group discussion, every Bible study, every casual conversation needs to be seen in the light of God's Word. Don't be deceived by every new teaching. Don't go along by every new... With, with every new fad. Don't believe everything you read on the internet or hear on TV. Now, for those of you that are, are new in the faith, this is a word to you. This is a word of encouragement. It's, it's a word of caution. But for those of you that are more spiritually mature, this is also a word for you. Because there's always areas of our life that need to grow. And there will always be room to mature as long as we're alive. Until the day that we are glorified in heaven, we always have room to mature. There's always blind spots in our life. So we need to hear this message. Now, my question to you is, when these things happen, when you hear false teaching, how do you respond? And even in our current moment that we're in with this COVID-19 pandemic. There is so much information being thrown at us. There are so many voices speaking to us. And it may not be like a religious kind of false teaching, but we're hearing so much. 
the winds and the waves of doctrine are blowing against us, how do we respond? I mean, like I've had so many text messages come to me saying so many wild things that ended up not being true. I've seen so much. What happens? Do we panic? Do we live in fear? Or do we turn to God's word and see what is really true? When the waves beat against your life, will you crumble because you don't have a foundation? Or will you stand strong? Even though it's hard, will you stand strong because your life is built on the sure words of Christ Jesus? If you recognize in yourself there's childishness in your faith, or that there's immaturity in your Christian life, if you feel that, Paul has two words. He says, no longer. He says, no longer be children. You may feel like a Christian Peter Pan, that you love Jesus, but you feel like you'll never grow up. You feel like you'll never mature in your faith. It's been years, you haven't grown much. But if you feel like that, there is hope for you because Paul tells us exactly how to grow in our faith. That's where verse 15 comes in. He says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth to one another. This is a command for all of us. This is the work of ministry that you've been called to, that we equip you for. And maturity is a community project. We need each other. You can't do it on your own. And we all have a part to play. So I want you to think through your conversations with other believers for the past maybe few weeks, the past month or so. So this could be anything, just talking together at church, times in growth group, seeing each other around town, texting, calling, anything like that. When you're talking with other believers, is it your first instinct to talk about truth? To talk about God and Christ and Scripture? Because even though it is good to talk about our lives, it's good to catch up, it's good to have casual conversation, that's good things. Don't hear me saying it's not. But we need more than that. We need much more than that. We need to hear the truth of Scripture. There's a certain phrase that's going around our culture. I can't really stand it. And it goes like this. My truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth. I just need to live my truth. I need to speak my truth. Let me tell you, you don't. You don't need to speak your truth. You need to speak the truth. You need to speak God's truth. That's what we need. 2 Timothy 3.16 all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable to teach and to correct and to rebuke and to train in righteousness. We have everything we need to minister to each other in the Word of God. What did we just sing? How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say? What more can He say? Nothing. He's given us all that we need. Or think of... Uh, Colossians 3.16. A lot of good 3.16s in the Bible. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We're to take the word of Christ 
and teach and admonish one another with his words. And this goes to singing. So thank you, worship team. Thank you, Jill, for leading us so well. I know you're going to continue. Where we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. A great way to speak truth to each other is to sing truth with each other. What a great way to anchor ourselves in the truth. When this is happening, to sing Christ is our sure and steady anchor. I need to hear that. But notice how this verse starts off. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ has to be dwelling in you. So when you go in your own personal time and you're reading the word, realize you're not just reading that for you. You're reading that for your brothers and sisters. You're reading the word of God so that you can get truth and encouragement to give to them. When you memorize the scriptures, that's not just for your personal sanctification. That's for the sanctification of other believers. Read the word of God so that you can minister, have it dwell in you richly. Because <laughs> we desperately need to hear the truth about who our great God really is. When you're tempted with sin, you need to hear about the holiness of God. When you're overcome with anxiety, you need to hear about the love of God. When you're feeling condemnation, you need to hear about the grace of God. When your friends and your family seem hardened to the gospel, you need to hear about the power of God. When you're treated poorly and unfairly, you need to hear about the justice of God. When you're lonely or depressed, you need to hear about the presence of God. And when life doesn't make any sense, you need to hear about the wisdom of God. No matter what's happening to me, if I'm dealing with sin, if, if there's some suffering, no matter what it is, I want you to tell me about Jesus. That's what I want. And for those of you that might be listening who don't know Jesus, I do want to speak the truth in love to you. God is holy. He created all things. He created you and in his goodness he made you in his image to reflect his glory but the hard truth is we have sinned we have rebelled against him and refused to worship him we have not reflected his goodness and so jesus christ who is the way the truth and the life has come and no one can come to the father except through him. And he has lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. He has died a death to make payment for your sins. And he rose from the dead to give you eternal life and eternal hope. And the truth is, right now, repent and believe the gospel. That is the truth for you. Turn away from your sins and put your trust in the Savior. If anything this situation has done, it has shown us that life is fragile. That we will all one day die and we will stand before the Lord. And we've already sang, when He shall come with trumpet sound, may I then in Him be found. If you're not found in Christ on that day, you will be left alone before the judgment of God. But Christ has made atonement for you. He has made it possible to be adopted by God and clothed in His righteousness and have your sins forgiven and be fully and freely accepted by the Father in His beloved Son. 
I want you to trust in Him and find life. So we need to speak the truth. But there are some false substitutes that we can fall into. Let's take a three. Here's some false substitutes for speaking the truth. Practical advice, personal encouragement, or personal experience, and peppy encouragement. If you know what I mean by that, we'll, we'll go into it. So, let's say you, you're talking with a fellow believer, let's run through a scenario, and they tell you that they have really been struggling, and they've been doubting the goodness of God and the love of God for them. Maybe something's gone wrong with their children, something's gone wrong with their job. Maybe it's this current situation that's going on. They feel like, how could a good God let such a terrible thing happen all across the world? Let so many deaths happen. What is your response to that person? What do you say to them when they tell you that? Do you give them practical advice? Men, that's our problem. Right? Like I'm, a, I'm a practical advice giver. So like, here's my eight steps. So if you're doubting God's goodness, let's go through these steps. You'll be fixed by the end of it. Personal experience. So you can say, oh man, a few years ago the same thing happened to me and then I did this and that and you just go into sharing what happened to you. Maybe it's peppy encouragement, if you know what I mean by that. So, you know, just tell them, oh, well, good things happen to those who wait. Oh, you just need to have more faith. You know, just nice little sayings, but they're not grounded in the Word of God. Those can be easy things to go to. What does that person really need to hear? They need to hear about Christ. They need to hear, if you're doubting the goodness of God, well, then God's Son, the sinless, spotless Son of God, He suffered in the worst way possible. He was actually abandoned by His Father on the cross. And that happened to him so that you could know the goodness of God, so that he could demonstrate the love of God for you, so that you could be assured that you are accepted in him. That's what that person really needs to hear. They need to hear the truth of the gospel. Now, is there a time for some of these things? Yes. Sometimes we need some practical advice to help out. Sometimes it's good to share your personal experiences Peppy encouragement, eh, not my style, maybe sometimes. But we need to speak the truth. That's primary. We can proactively defend against false doctrine by seasoning all of our conversations with sound doctrine. We've talked about speaking the truth, but what about hearing the truth? Receiving the truth? Do you have the desire for other believers to speak truth into your life? Do you want to hear it? Are you more willing to speak the truth than to receive it? It's an important question to ask because this goes both ways. We need to be prepared to speak the truth, but we also must always be prepared to receive it. We should ask other believers for it. We should say, I want you to tell me what's really true. Get me out of the echo chamber of my own head. Help me see things from God's perspective. My friends, the best place to speak and receive the truth is growth group. This is a shameless plug. If you're in growth group, praise God. Continue to build one another up as I know you're doing. Do it more and more. If you're not in a 
growth group, join one. I know we're in a weird time right now, but get in one as soon as you can and get going in this work of ministry. Your soul needs it. And the souls of other people in this body need it. And during this time where we can't physically gather together, let's use technology that God has graciously given us. Let's redeem that for His purposes and use it to build up the saints. So whether that's text messaging, emails, video chats, an old-fashioned phone call, whatever it is, use it to build one another up in Jesus. So, Jesus will grow His church through words of truth, but also through works of love. So let's look at that now. Let's read verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The image here is the church, is the body, with Christ as its head, and we are to grow up into Him. So, let me tell you the truth. I have a big head. Probably obvious. If it's not, I can just put on a hat. I can never find a hat that fits me. My head is too big. As a child, I had to grow into my head. So if you want to picture young Mitchell, picture big head, little body, right? That is Mitchell. So I had to grow up into my head, which I don't know if that fully happened, but here we are. In a very strange way, that's the same way with, with the church and Christ. If you have a picture of the church, big head, mature Jesus, little body, <laughs> little church. Church that's always growing, but we're growing to fit our head. We're growing up to be like Jesus. We are being conformed more and more into his image until one day we will fully reflect his glory. So, when it comes to words of truth and works of love, which is the way we grow up into Christ, it's sad but true that often we tend to fall to one side or the other. We get in, into a ditch on the left side of the road or on the right side of the road. There's always a ditch. So, you may be someone who really wants to show love and compassion to other people, that's excellent. But maybe you don't quite see why sound doctrine is so important, why we make such a big deal out of doctrine and theology and truth. Maybe on the other side, in the other ditch, you're someone who loves doctrine. You love studying the Word of God, but that can come with the neglect and the expense of other believers. While that is a reality and it's a danger, we have to realize that this is not an either-or situation. It's not truth pitted against love. This is a glorious both and. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And His church should be as well. We need to be biblically balanced. 
So I want you to look at this quote from Francis Schaeffer. I think this says it beautifully. Francis Schaeffer said, One cannot explain the explosive dynamite of the early church apart from the fact that they practiced two things simultaneously. Orthodoxy of doctrine and orthodoxy of community. By the grace of God, the church must be known simultaneously for its purity of doctrine and the reality of its community. Our churches have so often been only preaching points with very little emphasis on community. But exhibition of the love of God in practice is beautiful and must be there. I love that phrase. We need orthodoxy of doctrine and orthodoxy of community. We need to exhibit the love of God. Pastor Ray Ortland from over in Nashville, he puts it this way, and I really like this. He talks about uh, the fact that the church needs both gospel doctrine and gospel culture. So we need to hold to the doctrines of grace, and we need to live out a lifestyle of grace in our lives together. And he gives this good equation for it. The gospel doctrine minus gospel culture equals hypocrisy. So if we hold to the doctrine, but our lives don't reflect it, that's hypocrisy. We all have seen that. We've experienced that. Where we we speak with our lips what's true, and our lives don't match it. It's just hypocrisy. On the flip side, if we have a gospel culture without gospel doctrine, it's fragile. So we might love each other. We might have good community. It's not built on anything. And it'll wither away. It has no roots. But if we have gospel doctrine and gospel culture, we will have power. That's exactly what Paul is talking about in our text. That's what we want to aim towards. It's what we need. The culture of the church should look like a culture of love. That's what the end of verse 16 is saying. That the whole body grows so that it builds itself up in love. What does that love look like? What does it look like to build up the body in love and to live in love with each other? Well, the rest of chapter 4 and going into chapter 5 gives us a picture. You know, put up the next slide. That love is to be a peaceful love. Be angry and not sin. A generous love. Share with anyone in need. An encouraging love. He says, let your speech give grace to those who hear it. A forgiving love. Remove all bitterness. Be tenderhearted to each other and forgive one another. And a sacrificial love. To walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. But that is what love, what love in the body of Christ looks like it looks like serving and peacemaking and sharing and encouraging and forgiving and sacrificing both for our brothers and sisters in the church and for our neighbors out in the community and this is not just a call to a privileged few it's not just for the christian professionals this is for every single member of this body this is the ministry of the saints of each individual christian read verse 16 again For to grow up into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part 
is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need each member, each part of this body. Now, I'm going to give you a little anatomy lesson. Now, I am no expert on here, but I use Google, so you can trust me. The human body, it has over 200 bones. One of those bones is called the hyoid bone. H-Y-O-I-D. Hyoid. I had never heard of this bone. I'm assuming a lot of you probably haven't either. Now you might think, okay, it's just a small bone in my body. What if I didn't have it? What big deal would that be? Well, this is the part of our bodies that allow us to have speech the way we know it. It is a small horseshoe-shaped bone right here between our chin and our thyroid. We're the only creature on planet Earth that has this bone. If we didn't have it, our speech would sound just like animals. But the reason that we can talk, the reason that we can sing, the reason that we communicate is because of this one small bone that most of us didn't even know was there. And just as our physical bodies need every single part So the body of Christ needs every single member for it to be able to truly build itself up in love and grow into mature manhood. We need each part of this body. So if you're thinking that, man, River Oaks Community Church, it doesn't need me. That if I left, nothing would change. People don't actually need me here. I have to tell you. I have to speak the truth to you. You are wrong. You are needed. There are people in this body who need you to minister to them. Just like we need every physical body part, this body needs you. So how do we build each other up in love practically? What does that actually look like? Let's think through some things. Especially in a time where we're primarily confined to our homes, right? This is a unique season we find ourselves in. And we, we cannot grow slack in our love for our brothers and sisters. So what do we do? Check up on each other. Think through people who might be in a high-risk category and reach out, see if you can help. We've already talked about this. I want to give some honor to... Philip and Gary, for putting this together to go out and help people in our church, help people in the local community. I mean, they were living out this part of my sermon before they ever heard it. So I just praise God for that, where they're going to pick up people's groceries, pick up their prescriptions, run their errands, just go do simple acts of love for people right now. Reach out to people who might be prone to loneliness and depression, and this isolation is the worst thing for them. If you're able to, think about helping financially with those whose jobs have been put in danger during this time. And in a very weird sense, stay at your home (laughs) as much as you can. The reason that, that we are not meeting together here physically as a church this morning is not out of fear. It is not because we are afraid of ourselves getting this virus. It is out of love. It is out of love for other people who might be much more negatively impacted by this than ourselves. So out of love, love 
in the body of Christ. It doesn't always look like these huge acts of service, these you know, laying down your life physically for someone. It's, it can be that. It's a lot of small, simple acts of Christian love done for each other. And that's what builds up the body. So I want you to use your sanctified imagination, use the gifts that God has given you, and find ways to love and serve the body, to speak truth to each other. I've been praying that we would be salt and light in a dark and dying world. That during this time, the world would see a faithful, God-honoring, Christ-trusting church. And that Jesus would be exalted as our only hope. That we would be known for our sacrificial love. That the world would see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And that many would come to Him through this. But that happens through these little acts that we do. Little acts of trust, acts of faith, acts of love, acts of speaking the truth. So my dear friends, may we no longer be children, but rather let's grow up into Christ and let's help one another along this path until one day we will see Jesus face to face. Because Jesus will grow His church through words of truth and works of love. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for the sacrifice of Your Son. We thank You for the gift of Your Spirit. We thank You for the hope of eternal life. We thank You for Your sovereign providence over all things. We thank You that You're faithful to us, that You are slow to anger. You abound in steadfast love. Father, I pray that You would encourage our hearts. Pray that you would make us steady and steadfast. Help our eyes to look to Jesus and to look nowhere else. Father, I pray that you would receive all the glory. All the glory from this church. That you would receive glory. You're saving sinners. You would be glorified in the earth. So all praise, all honor, all glory be to you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.